Hey everyone, meet Kevin here. Today, we are confronting a day trader. Uh, we'll see how the confrontation goes. I'm really excited about this because we are talking to Trace Trades, who's been covering AMC, the Wall Street Bets debacle that's been going on, or the drama in the market, I should say. We love Wall Street Bets, of course, and we want to understand what's it like to be an active duty military uh, individual and a trader and a part-time fundamentalist as, as well. I want to hear everything. Hopefully, I got the intro right to i want to learn everything that a day a, a trace trades knows about trading and share as much that we can here with the audience so we can all learn obviously i have linked trace trades uh, youtube channel down in the description as well we're going to bring him on and let's see what we can learn and we'll ask a lot of questions because i've got lots of questions <laughs> welcome aboard <laughs> hey man this is this really cool this is so cool i appreciate you having me on here man i uh i just love trading it's a good, it's a good time <laughs> uh i can't it's wait so fun so tell me about this like what what got you started in this uh, what got you started in, in trading swing trading day trading long-term trading everything yeah man for sure so i used to be you know a pretty devote athlete so i i ran cross country and track pretty religiously and my, my goal is to make the olympic trials in the marathon i was a, i was a pretty good runner and I ended up running into some heart issues, but I thought were, uh, you know, heart palpitations, uh, tachycardia turned out to be heart attacks. So I've got, uh, I've got Whoa. some heart damage that, that stopped me from, from, uh, continuing my pursuit in athletics. And, and I just moved into, you know, something else. I needed something else to, to drive and be competitive in. And, and I just took, uh, took a couple months and learned the ins and outs of the market. And here we are, here we are. <laughs> it's been a lot of fun, man. Wait, 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 wait. How, how did, what did you feel? Like, describe this to me. I, I got to know this. What <laughs> happened to your heart, man? Like you're, you're giving oh, me yeah. heart palpitations hearing this. Yeah, <laughs> man. I didn't even know. I didn't even know. I went to, uh, I went to the ER and I talked to the doctor and they actually said, you know, we, we think this might be an anxiety attack or it might be, you know, a arrhythmic tachycardia, yeah. which is just irregular beating of the heart. But I went in for, uh, you know, for some follow-ups, they got an EKG done. They did, uh, they did an ultrasound and you know, just check things out. And they fall, they found damage from what's called a ladder infarction, which is just fancy doctor talk for a heart attack. So, you know, what my suspicions were in terms of, you know, damage going on there turned out to be true. Um, and that's, here oh. we are now, here we are now. So I just, uh, I needed something feel? else to do. I, you know, yeah, I, I just got to know. My chest was kind of tight. Um, I, I was sweating pretty bad. Um, heart was beating at like 180 beats a minute, just sitting down. And I just ended up passing out. Oh. And I woke up. You know, I figured I passed out because of lack of oxygen or, or whatever. But here we are. Here we are. Life goes on, man. You got to make the best out of everything. I, I genuinely think everything's up here. It's all mental. So, and, and that kind of made you transition from, all right, I guess, I guess, I mean, that that killed the Olympic dreams is what you're saying. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. I was, uh, you know, I was, I was pretty, pretty diehard on it. I, I ran about a hundred miles a week, you know, and um, I took, a, took about Jeez. 20, 20 hours, of, 20 hours a week, at least of training and. I just had something, uh, I'd have to do something else. That's how I am. I just can't, I can't flow through life, man. I think you can relate to that in the same way. Just having something to pursue, something that you can grow in every single day. And I love it. It's a good time. <laughs> so then you got, I mean, wow, that's, that's impressive. I mean, I, I thought if I ran four miles a day, that's like 28 miles a week. I thought that was good, but a hundred, geez, man, killing it. So that's crazy. Uh, so I want to know, uh, you, so you, you got into trading. What, how did, how did you decide? Okay. I want to play swing trades. I want to do charting and technical analysis and, and how do yeah, people definitely. watch get started in this stuff? So I started my channel, you know, just kind of thinking, you know, it'd be fun. Maybe people will watch, maybe in a year I'll have a couple thousand subs and, you know, we can just see where it goes from there. But I got into trading because I had a friend, my best friend out in uh, North Dakota, his name's Brandon. And his dad showed me his Fidelity account. He was, he was trading a couple different stocks and I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. 
So I just uh, did some research and I found Rainer Teo. You might be familiar with him. He's a technical analysis teacher on YouTube. And I just spent uh, like a month and I watched his videos two, three, four times, a couple hours a day just so I could learn the ins and outs of charting because that's what really appealed to me was like being able to predict uh-huh. the best possible entry points into stocks and, and with the best possible exit points in stocks. And, you know, day trading is something mm-hmm. I understand fundamentally, but I feel it's strongest in swing trading because as an active duty officer in the mm-hmm. army, I do work full time. I am not able to watch the charts all day long. Right. So with swing trading, you can set exact, you know, stop limits where maybe the stock doesn't go your way. You get out of your trade five, 10% down, and then you can set, you know, all based on this level of resistance. This is where you either see a push or we don't. And then if you see the push, you keep riding. And if you don't, you take profits and, it's a, it's, a, it's a nice strategy to be able to, you know, work full time and, and continue to invest if that's something you're interested in doing. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, I want to know, so, so you spent, you basically, you, you spent a few months looking at charts, uh, studying what other people were talking about. And then, then you just dove in is what you're saying. Yeah, and man. You decided that's Definitely. it. I'm going for my own trades. How, how lucrative has, has the swinging been? I mean, we've had a great market, uh, with the yeah, exception man. of obviously like March and April. Right. <laughs> right, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I would say to anybody out there that's interested in, in learning swing trading or getting into the market, you have mm-hmm. to lose money to learn how to make money. So I'd say my first 10 trades probably weren't profitable. Out of 10, I probably made money on three of them. I started with $1,000 and I probably had 500 at the end of those first 10 trades. But you learn through those mistakes. So you, you take the emotions that you're feeling through those, right? And you, you think, why am I feeling this? How can I improve upon this on the next trade? And then you you, you correct, right? So failing to plan is um, failure to plan is planning to fail, as my dad would always say. He was in the military as well. And you just have to learn from the mistakes. So compounding all those lessons in the market, I think every day in the market is a lesson to be learned. Um, it's been pretty nice. I was able to turn, you know, I'm not, I don't have a huge account by any means. I'm not, I'm not working with millions of dollars, but until my account got liquidated by Fidelity with the AMC situation, I had turned $8,000 uh, that I started with in late November into $46,000 at the beginning of January. So that's a pretty solid margin of return. It's, uh, awesome. it's not bad. I'm pretty happy with that for sure. Wait, what what happened with Fidelity? You can drop in bombs like this, man. Yeah. What is going on? <laughs> man, I'm just, I'm just hyped. I'm just hyped. I'm, I'm fired up, man. Uh, so Fidelity and other brokerage accounts, such as Robinhood, right? We saw a whole bunch yeah. of different debacles happening there. They claimed that because of collateral issues, right, um, that they had to liquidate some people's accounts for risk management. And, you know, I've had people say, maybe you're playing with margin, but I had cash. I had a cash account, so I got no margin call. There was no risk of a margin call. And this happened to a lot of people. So I tweeted this out. I tweeted out, hey, guys, I just had this happen to me. Is there anybody else out there that had this happen? And I had multiple people. I'm not kidding you, probably hundreds that said, hey, this happened to me in Fidelity. This happened to me in Robinhood. This happened to me in 212. There was a bunch of people because the brokerage accounts uh, could not keep up with the amount of money they needed to put out in order to keep you know the, the positions clean, right? Just by the off chance something bad happens, they had to liquidate people's accounts for risk management. And I was, uh, I was one of those people with the AMC situation, but it's just money, man. What makes me mad is um, that happens to people that aren't in situations where maybe they're playing with all the money they have. They, they worked for uh, 10, 15 years to get that money into the market and they're just screwed, you know. It's it's a tough situation. Wait, wait, wait. So so what what happened? So you you had your money in in Fidelity and you're trading AMC. You don't have margin, which is usually deemed to be very safe to not have margin. Right. And what you're saying is you you had a balance there and you had AMC, you know, options or stocks and and they just closed it. They closed the account. So I can actually show you the exact moment in which this happened. It was at 11:30 uh, a.m. So I'll pull this up on AMC really quick. I can show you the exact moment it happens. So I've got Webull pulled up right here. This is the, the platform that I'm using for anybody out there interested. And if we just look at the chart mm-hmm. right here, this is the day that it happened. And they closed me out along with many other people at the oh, very that was my birthday of, of the stock. Yeah, man. <laughs> so I, I got closed <laughs> out. And I think what would have been about, oh, happy birthday, by the way. <laughs> That's good stuff. Um, 
they closed me out of the very bottom at about six dollars and fifty cents. So I I had I oh. think what would have been about you know twenty two thousand dollars in AMC. I was riding BB and Nokia. You know both of those plays are still yeah. sitting pretty low. So I'm not mad about that. But you know AMC bounced pretty much immediately after that, and it was at the exact yeah. time where Fidelity closed out of other people's accounts too. I said, hey, they closed me out of this position uh, at X time, and everybody said, man, I got closed out at the exact same time on Fidelity. That's crazy. So wow. it's obviously not just a me issue. That's a that's a across the board issue where you're having a bunch of people that that suffered because of uh, brokerage accounts not being able to hold up on their collateral end of things. It's a little sketchy, man. It's a little sketchy. It is what it is. No, that's that's almost. It, it definitely feels. It's almost like, you know, these people at Fidelity and Robinhood or whatever were sitting there and they had this button that's like, you know. Uh, like I don't, I don't know, like <laughs> bat in the hatches button, right? And and it's like they see Definitely. these red candles coming, and it's like that's it. We can't take any more losses. Push the button, and it just like shuts out thousands of people. And so what it what does it do? It just liquidates your stocks at the bottom and says, "Here's your cash. Get out." Yeah, basically. So I, I got uh, whatever the oh. cash equivalent was of uh, the amount of shares that I had times six dollars and fifty cents. So they closed me out of exactly that much loss. It is, it is what it is, oh. man. It, uh, it was frustrating. It was frustrating. It took a, you know, it turned my account from forty six thousand down to I think would have been about fifteen. So that was a pretty, pretty tough loss. But you know, there's always opportunities to make money, and I'll make that money back. That's not the end of the world for me. What's frustrating is, like I said, other people where this happens and they're not able to, you know, get out of that hole. You know, maybe they've been working for. For, for months, or maybe it was just a new trader, right? The first time that they got into the market, their buddy was like, hey, you should get an AMC, get in this movement, the hedge fund thing, whatever, whatever. And uh, they just got screwed. Now they're never going to come to the market back. They're going to come back to the market again because of this situation. You know, it's it's scary. It's crazy yeah. stuff. Do you think that's possible that a, a lot of people lost a chunk of money to where they're just jaded and, and uh, they're done? They're not going to be in a in, in oh, yeah. stocks anymore because of what happened? Wow. I think there was a lot of first-time investors out there. You know, I, uh, I, 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 every single video that I talk about AMC, I want to say first and foremost, there's so much risk involved. Like we all know, uh, as experienced investors, that and nothing about the AMC GameStop situation is normal to the market. Like you know that better than anybody. Oh, yeah. um, but for some people, that was their first trade, and they think to themselves, "Why would anybody get into the market?" You know, because if this is mm -hmm. if this is what's going to happen, this is the risk involved with the market. There's no point. You know, I'm just going to give my money to my Roth and you know my my account manager and let him do it because it doesn't make sense for me to be in here. Yeah. just seems like the suits always have a way of winning, man. It's frustrating. <sighs> Don't even get me started. <laughs> I, I, I put out a video Jeez, on this man. every day. Every day, man. It's frustrating. Oof. It's really frustrating. Yeah. So, okay. So tell me a little bit then. Uh, let's, if, if you don't mind, tell us a little bit, if, so if somebody gets a Weeble account and, you know, they open up kind of like the screen you've got here. What, what is somebody, what, what do you look for? What, like, uh, what's like for, for a dummy's version of what you got there? Because, you know, I'm looking at your screen right now and I see, you know, what, what's after hours is it, after hours is down, you know, 0.89%. Obviously the market's closed now, but uh, right. tell me a little bit, what, what do you like looking for? So I've got my Weeble set up in a specific way. There are, there are specific indicators that I use as a swing trading, uh, you know, primary focus, which I think help the best to predict upcoming breakouts. And I want to show you the best example that I can think of. This is one that I take a lot of pride in because I fundamentally did not understand, you know, BNGO as a company until I got into this as a trade. Like I understand what they did, but I got into this, you know, mm. primarily as a technical analysis investor. And when I got into BNGO, I got in because I saw specific things here on the charts. And it was back here. We all know what BNGO is now, right? They're over Jeez, a $10 man. stock. They've got the Sapphire system. Absolutely crazy company. I got into it because of a couple of different indicators that I use. So I use the RSI, which is a really easy one to use, the relative strength index. Basically just an indicator that tells you the bullish or bearish momentum, right? How much buying or selling pressure there is. And I see here that we've got a huge bump in sell and buying pressure, right? 
anything over well, 70 so is what, a lot what, of buying what, pressure. We saw it touch up here. Go ahead. Uh, on the RSI, how how expanded do you keep the chart? Because the, the more you zoom in, the more this thing modifies based on what it sees. I'm going back. And what date do you have? You got December 23rd there, huh? December yeah, December 23rd. 23rd. Man, okay. so you're digging so, up a whole, whole huge uh, bag of wax. <laughs> There's so much I can tell you about. I could go on about this for hours. Yeah, let's go. Uh, let's see. Okay, so I, I see it here. So I've got my my window up as well. In fact, I'll, uh, yeah. So I've got my window up as well. So we've kind of got a similar thing going on here. So I got the RSI up as well. But as I zoom right. in, zoom out, okay, we, we get a little bit of a different view here. Uh, right. It doesn't recalculate immediately when I zoom in, zoom out. When is this recalculating? What have you found? So the RSI is going to display, as well as the other indicators that I use, which I'll get into here in a little bit, they display different information based on the time frame that you select for the chart setup. So I'm on the one-month chart right now. I find that this gives me the best possible you know, information regarding swing trading opportunities because typically as a swing trade, you'll hold it maybe for a couple of days, maybe a couple of weeks, maybe a month. So the data that you see here on a month long time frame, I have found gives the best, you know, indicators as to, hey, this is a great time to buy into the stock or that, hey, this is not a good time to buy into the stock or it's a good time to sell. Right. Uh, so I use the Where one month time see, frame. Where did you see a range here? You just go to one month. That's what you keep it on. And then you right, kind of right. move so around. So down by range, you can ah, click on okay. none. And then you've got one day, five day, one month, three months. I usually use the one month mm. time frame. That's my go-to. Okay. okay. Gotcha. So Got it. Now, okay. So, is, so that lets go you. Ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, sorry. Go ahead. You're good. No, no, you're good. You're good. <laughs> I'm just fired up, man. This is a lot of fun. Uh, so the RSI is one tool that I use, you know, and right here, it was pretty drastically overbought. You know, we saw it hit 91. Anything over 70 is extreme buying momentum. So you want to look for it when there's a lot of buying momentum, because that can usually indicate that you might see another upcoming run. We don't typically want to buy into a mm -hmm. stock when it's being uh, severely overbought, when there's a lot of buying momentum, because there's a lot of inherent risk at that point. But that's not a terrible mm -hmm. thing, right? We use this because we wanted to indicate an upcoming run, which we did see here. Now, the other two tools that I use, which you can see up here in the top left, are the 15MA, which is a moving average. Different brokerage accounts call mm -hmm. this different things. Sometimes it's called the SMA, the simple moving average. And I use the 15-day period because that, that gives us an idea of microscopic price action. And anytime that you see this, this 15MA gap up or, or change directions from this other trend line, which is the 200 EMA, the exponential moving average, which is a, a macroscopic perspective of price action, it gives you an idea of, hey, whatever's happening right now in the last 15 days is not typical to the usual chart patterns in price action. So it's a way that you can predict Wait, upcoming so, breakouts. So that's you're saying you can predict breakouts with a 15 day moving average, which I don't even have that. Uh, I see 10, 20. Okay, but I can change these. You can, you can change it, right? I right. So, so I can do 14 and try to beat you. Yeah, right. <laughs> you could. <laughs> so if you actually come over okay. here, there's a little button you can click on for anybody that wants to edit this. You can click on indicators, and then over here on the top right, you got edit indicators. And you've got inputs, uh. style, and introduction. The introduction just tells you what it is, but the inputs are the day, 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 uh, day frames, right? So I set it to 15 days for my MA. You can change the color to whatever you want, and then you just click on it, right? So I use a 15-day MA. You can do the same thing with the EMA if you want. You can come over here to edit indicators, click on the EMA, change it to whatever you want. But I just use the 200 for that as well. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's totally it, man. Hmm. Why, why did you choose those? Because I had the uh, I was using the 20 uh, simple moving average and the 120 EMA. Yeah, man, great question. So I contribute everything that I know about charts to Rainer Teo. I learned everything I know <laughs> from okay. that man on YouTube. He's an absolute okay. genius. But I use the 200 EMA because it's a little over half a year. So it gives you a, a good perspective of the long-term price action. You know, the 120 EMA mm. is going to do pretty well for you as well. But I've just found that the, the 200 EMA gives you more of a flatline basis, right? And when 
just mm-hmm. based on you know the numbers that I've seen, the success that I've had with the 15 MA, the 200 MA, it's 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 been a good uh, good means to predict these breakouts like we've been talking about. Um, because when you see okay. that separation in the past 15 days of price action compared to 200 days, which is a really long term perspective, right? So if you've got a long term perspective, you know how a stock usually acts in price action, right? This can tell you that something is atypically happening, and then at that point, there's different things that we can look at as well. Okay, so, but I mean, now we're looking at this in the past. What did you see while this was happening? Or did you look at it like, did you look at the the 23rd and go, oh, wow, this is breaking out? Or or what did you notice? Definitely, man. So I'll show you exactly what I saw. So what I saw, and I did this with uh, JagX as well, which had a crazy run up at the time. I think I got into JagX at 80 cents. Uh, I think I sold that at around $2.50 or so. Uh, It was a a grand slam, man. That was was good. Did you play RuneScape? Oh, big time. How'd you know? <laughs> oh my gosh. That's gold. <laughs> that's freaking awesome, man. Okay. Yeah, man. That's all I got into Discord, which is funny, but a uh, little nerd moment. Little nerd moment. I'll admit. I'm, I'll admit I'm oh. a weep. I'll say it to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's I'll say awesome. It to anybody. Good for you. Yeah. Okay. So so you saw this, this push. Okay. And, and then what? So this is exactly what I saw. I look for three different things when I'm looking for a swing trading opportunity. I look for this 15 mm. MA to gap up over the 200 EMA. That is one box that I want to check, right? And then the next thing that I'm always mm. looking for is down here. And I've got this in this box right here, which is abnormal trading volume, unusual trading volume. So when you see a push in volume, that's usually not by mistake. It's usually for a reason. So if you get these two confirmations mm. on the charts, that typically means the third thing that you want to look for is upcoming news catalyst, right? So if you've got some sort of reason as to why this stock is trading high, except for the fact that maybe it's a leading gapper or it's for some reason being day traded. But we didn't see that was the case with BNGO, obviously, because it continued to grow. So since I saw this, this gap up here between the 15 MA and the 200 EMA, I figured, okay, we've got that. We've got the volume. It's trading unusually on volume. So I looked at News Catalyst, and we saw that there was new ca- News Catalyst out on BNGO. And that right at that exact moment, I was like, all right, this is a slam dunk, guys. This is uh, this is going to be a, a good swing trading opportunity. And you saw it go all the way up to $7.24. So we saw it watch <laughs> happen right before our eyes. You know, BNGO did exactly that. Yeah. So yeah, I'm looking here at December 22nd, for example, and it looks like the average volume, I mean, it, it bounces, but I mean, we've got some volume around 2 million, 1 million, 700,000 and so on. Then we get to this next full day because the black is obviously during the day and then this this right. blue section is, is the after hours or pre-market hours. So, but if I jump over here to where we see these volume spikes, we're all of a sudden, instead of seeing, you know, 700,000 to 1 million shares being traded of, of, of certainly a penny stock here, all of a sudden we're seeing 24 million, 9 million, 19 million, 7 million, 5 million. I mean, these are insane volume numbers just all of Definitely. a sudden on the hour basis. Right. So what, what day was that again? Mm. It looks like the 23rd. Okay, let me come back. Is that, that. Is that? Yeah, so that's exactly what I'm talking about, man. You, you hit it right on the head. So those abnormal trading volume, as you're saying, you know, when you look at a one hour time frame previously, you're looking at maybe 1.7 mm-hmm. million, you know, 2 million, right. uh, 1.2. So to see it literally triple, quadruple, you know, 5X in volume, that indicates that something's up. Yeah. And volume drives volatility. Volatility is going to drive those higher price valuations because, you know, it's it's the basics of, of supply and demand. So when you when you have mm-hmm. you know an X amount of supply and there's you know there's not a lot of volume, not a lot of trading happening, that means there's not a lot of demand. But the supply doesn't necessarily change, right? The supply always stays the same. So when you've got a lot of volume, that's going to drive the overall demand because there's going to be less available shares since they're being traded more actively. Um, so that's what helps really drive the price valuations up on these stocks. And the volume is important. It's why uh, it's why AMC is trading sideways right now because there's not a lot of volume there. Huh. Okay. So, so yeah, let's, let's go to AMC. Let's zoom into AMC. I want to understand. So you go to low volume and all of a sudden your, your hopes of a swing are basically going away is what you're saying. 
for now, at the very least, I've, I've started looking at AMC. You know, I do still have a position in this just to be transparent, man. Uh, I look at AMC mm-hmm. at this point as a long-term hold because uh, as, okay. as we just mentioned, right, the volume is low, right? So it's, it's been, it's mm-hmm. been very heavily shorted. We know that the short, short uh, volume ratio on this has been pretty high. You know, the numbers are drastically different no matter where you look. But at this point, you know, it is trading sideways because there's not a lot of volume. I mean, if you look at the big differences here, right, what I've noticed on the volume is when it had this huge push, it had a lot of volume. You see in a one-hour time frame, yeah. it was seeing 93 million, 124 million. I think of this day alone, we saw like 1.2 billion shares traded. And right now, we're just not seeing wow. that same volume. So if you look at the daily charts here and just look at the overall volume pushes, in a, a one-day period, we're seeing you know 46 million, 55 million, and we're not seeing a lot of action. I mean, if we zoom in here, I'm just going to clear off the uh, the support level I've got. But you can see there's just not, not a, a wide range of uh, price action. It's just not moving a whole lot because there isn't a lot of volume. You know, and some people talk about the Volkswagen situation where, you know, there wasn't a lot of volume, but that's that's a little bit different because back back when Volkswagen squoze, uh, you know, they had just those two entities which were really pushing the price action. Volkswagen uh, had had Porsche, you know, and the, the German government. And we've got like millions of people with this WSB situation. So it's a little less coordinated. We're going to need that volume to step yeah. back in in order to see this really start moving again. Wow. So, uh, so let's look at Sundial. I, I know that's one that just it has oh, like yeah, this man. insane volume. <laughs> Talk to me about this because this is something that was like 50 cents, you know, uh, a couple weeks ago and, and it's just gone nuts. Yeah, Sundial is absolutely crazy. This is a <laughs> this is a stock that blows my mind. So uh-huh. uh, a while back, they did actually get rid of all their debt, which is a, a good thing about the company. I, I do know that off the top of my head. Okay. But I think what's really been moving the stock and it's actually very interesting to see this happening in real time is you've got this this huge push with these these Reddit these Reddit uh, threads where people are actually coming together and coordinating these buys. And, you know, I don't want to necessarily say that's the case, but it definitely does seem that way because you read these, these WSB, there's a million different WSB threads at this point, but people are coming together and saying, Hey, we're really going to push cannabis right now. And I think that's what happened with Sundial. You see this coordinated buying, you see the volume really picking up. The RSI was over 70 for like three straight days, which is very atypical (laughs) price action on a chart, Kevin, that doesn't usually happen. Uh, But that's, that's what happened here. And then you see profit taking, uh, you know, something that I think is very interesting that you can read about charts is the volume tells you a lot. So let me just show you this really quick. So you see a lot of volume come in and then when it goes red, you see a lot of volume come out. And the psychology of the charts here, basically what that's saying is this is a pump and a dump. When you see a lot of red volume, that means that the people that got in got out. So I, I don't necessarily think this is an investor stock to anybody out there that likes Sundial or cannabis stocks, you know, power to you. I don't personally have a position here. I don't think the army lets me invest in, in cannabis, but that's my two cents on that personally. But it, the, the volume's ah, insane, man. It's, I think it was actually the most active stock in the market on Weeble for like two straight days. Got it. So, and and oftentimes, I mean, so we, I want to compare this to like an AMC. When you get this this insane run-up and then this fall, is it just wishful thinking that you're going to see this run again? You know, it, it depends on the situation for sure. I, I think with Sundial, mm. it's, it's tough to predict because uh, we kind of know what cannabis stocks are. So the potential for growth in cannabis, right? What are you looking for? A way for them to expand their overall business. So, you know, maybe there is some 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 potential there where you could have, you know, Sundial open up maybe different, uh, dis- you know, dispensaries or they move into different niches. They offer, you know, different kinds of cannabis. But what's interesting to me about AMC is, you know, the squeeze situation, regardless of whether that happens or not, they actually have long-term potential, or at least mid-term potential as a company. Right. So the COVID Mm. situation, the quarantine, as that continues to open back up, you know, that stock price to me, AMC, if we just check this out really quick, I do not believe for one second that AMC uh, stock, one share is worth less than a a movie ticket. (laughs) I just I just can't believe that. (laughs) Um, I I think there's a lot of potential here, but it is it is a similar, similar situation for sure. 
where you know it's it's hard oh. to predict because the, the the Wall Street bets thing, you know, that's not predictable. We can't say what people are gonna, you know, have sentiment towards or hype up next. You know, it could be for all we know, mm. you know, uh, you know, biopharmaceuticals. Who knows? It's tough to say. It is a little unpredictable, man. Right. When when do you when you're trading during the or maybe or when you're swing trading, uh, maybe not necessarily day trading, uh, are you going down to the minute on these charts at all? Yeah, I definitely do that sometimes. So that's actually when I when I put on my videos, I focus on both the one month chart and the one day, one minute chart. So we can look at both the macroscopic price action and the microscopic because there are things that you can learn uh based on microscopic price action. So uh one thing that I think of off the top of my head. I put out a video on Sens not too long ago, Sensonics. This is a stock that I'm very mm. bullish on. I think this is going to be – they're a glucose monitoring company, uh, pretty similar to okay. Dexcom, which is currently the leading uh, you know, glucose monitoring system out there, uh, currently a $400 stock. But anyways, if we come over here to Sens, if we look at this on the one-month chart, there's, there's certain things that you can see uh, that would have led you to a huge run. So we can see here that this gap up between the 15 MA and the 200 EMA happened back here. If you were able to get into that mm. back when this happened, you saw a small push in volume. You can see that right here where it's trading a little bit abnormally. That tells you, okay, there's probably something that's about to happen. There's probably a news catalyst. We've got something on the charts confirming that there's breakout price action. If you got in back here at 95 cents, I mean, you can you can do the math. That's, that's absolutely insane. So I like to look yeah. at this macroscopically. And then on the one-day chart, you can look at the, the, the same exact principles. So the RSI tells you a lot of different things. It tells you what's the best possible entry point on the day, right? We know like macroscopically speaking, if around this range. So this is basically just a way to zoom in and really uh, tone in and hone in on what a good entry point is going to be. So one thing in particular that I'm looking at here, right? We have this ascending level of support. In order to validate any level of support or resistance, we always look for at least three touch mm -hmm. points, which we definitely have here. And if you wanted to get into this as a one day swing, you'd probably want to get in when there's a touch point on this ascending level of support because that's when it's going to be the most oversold. That's when it's going to be the most undervalued on the day. And if you're able to do that right here, right, when we have, you know, one, two, three touch points, you got that right here. You bought it at $3.92. You could have wrote it all the way up to 435, which is like a 10, 15% gain on the day. So you can definitely do the same thing. The same right. principles apply. And you've got that right here with, you know, the 15 uh, MA crossing over the 200 EMA. It was overbought, which indicates that there is strong buying pressure at one moment in time. We've got high and usual trading volume, microscopically and macroscopically speaking. So you want to, you know, combine as many things as you can, get as many confirmations, check as many boxes as possible. And that really helps you hone in on uh, hmm. the best entry points and exit points on a stock. But I mean, you could draw your line wherever you want, right? I mean, I could, I could just zoom in like super much if I wanted to and just, you know, draw a really short line if I wanted to, right? Or, like what... How, how do you, what's your trick there? Yeah, definitely, man. So uh, bless you, bless you. Uh, what I look for to have a validated level of support or resistance, you're just following what your eyes are telling you, right? So we can see here with, with uh -huh. SENS that there is a a general trend breaking up, right? So we can see that there's this, this yeah. general upward moving momentum. So you want to basically connect. But when it dot. happens, you don't know. Right, right. Like, no, when it's it, happening. When it happens, so if we look back here, for instance, right, right. Good, good point. Mm -hmm. So if, if let's just say this is exactly where you are right now. And all that you see is we've got okay. one, two, three, four different touch points that are following this general uh, general upward moving uh, level of support, right? It's, it, you can't predict the future, of course, but what it can do is give you an idea of uh, it may continue to follow up this, this trend line, right? So we see that it's got three mm -hmm. touch points on this ascending, movable, uh, ascending level of support, which could indicate that it'll continue that upward trend. It doesn't always, right? Uh, technical analysis is an art, not an exact science, but it is a way to predict you know, price action in a sense. Uh, I'd say probably six, seven times out of 10 um, charts typically respect, you know, the technical side of things. So like you know, at a level of support and if it breaks that support usually moves pretty hard, which is another thing that, you know, you can get an idea of, okay, maybe at this point I want to, I want to cut my losses here because we see this, this hard push 
this wide range candle, right? Uh, so it's, it's, it's an art, not an exact science. There's no way to know for sure what it'll do, but you know, it's a way to predict, you know, and, and limit your losses, capitalize on the gains in a sense. And is that just because so many people are trading that they're following maybe the same rules because i mean there's nothing to say that the charts have to agree with that is it just trying to increase your odds yeah it's basically increasing your odds man that's a great way to put it kevin um you know i'd say that probably about 85 or 90 percent of investors and traders out there uh invest based on emotion and sentiment so it's probably mm -hmm. about 10 percent of people that really focus on the charting systems and i think it's actually a growing art it's a it's an art that i've seen really pick up some momentum over the past couple of months especially on youtube but um, it's it's a way because, you know, day traders, for instance, day traders carry a lot of uh, momentum and capital. They work with a lot more money than the average person typically. Right. So they follow these general uh, guidelines for the most part. And it's a way that you can ride basically where the big money's moving. So I think of um, what's his name? His name's Ross. I can't remember his channel off the top of my head, but he does day trading live streams every single day. And I know that he follows some pretty similar principles. So it's a way basically to capitalize on, you know, what some of these day traders or swing traders with that work with a lot of capital are doing. Um, but of course, you know, mm -hmm. sentiment and fundamental analysis, knowing the ins and outs of the company, recent news catalyst, that all plays a major role because, you know, investors, I would say for the most part, invest with emotion and sentiment. So that's why I try to really round off things, not just focus on charts. I'd say the charts are probably about mm -hmm. 60, 70 percent of the setup. And then, you know, understanding the basics of a company and in the fundamentals, the recent news catalyst, what's pushing the price action for that exact reason. Okay. So you see this, this gap up, uh, is this just something that you found consistently uh, comes before larger runs? I mean, couldn't it gap up and then just fall and stay down? It could do that. Right. Right. And that's, uh, you know, there's no way to predict that, unfortunately, because, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. traders, um, you know, for whatever reason or another, you'll have day traders that come in and maybe that day they decide we're going to short the stock because it gapped up. Or maybe they decide that day we're going to long the stock because it gapped up. So it's it's tough to predict. And that's the beauty of uh, a trailing stop loss. You know, maybe it doesn't work out that exact way. Six or seven times out of 10, though, I feel like it does. So having that trailing stop loss for five to 10% on a swing, that way you can get a better entry point on a stock, you know, buying as low as you possibly can, sell as high as you possibly can using these different tools like the RSI, uh, you know, the volume, the 15 MA, the 200 EMA. That's my, that's my typical rule of thumb. Um, but gap ups are a little bit scary. So one thing that I don't particularly like doing is chasing stocks. Um, that's, that's a great thing about a Fibonacci retracement is it typically gives you an idea of how much a stock will pull back, uh, the strength of a chart. So if we zoom in right here, you can actually see this is pretty much exactly <laughs> respected, which is a funny coincidence, but you see this bounce right here off at 50%, 61.8%. What, what day is this? This is, uh, what would be January 19th. Oh, so you're, on the, you're on the one month. Right. Okay. January so we 19th. got January 19th right here and the Fibonacci retracement, essentially what this does is it gives you an idea of the strength of a chart, the buyers and sellers, and how much a chart will retrace or give back from initial run-up. So what you do is you place the bottom of a Fibonacci at the base of the run-up and the peak at the top. So you want to get uh, the candle wicks too, if you can. I'll actually move this up just a hair to touch that 390 point. But what this does, is it gives you a general idea of what you can expect based on previous trends on how much a stock will give back. So for instance here, if we check out the previous run-up on Sensonics and we draw the base to the peak, you can see that on this previous run-up, it retraced down to about 61.8%, uh, or about $1.34. So if you have the same buyers and sellers that are stepping into Sensonics, and of course, we don't live in a vacuum, there's no way to predict for sure. But if you want to day trade or swing trade a stock, you know, if you were to get in at that 61.8% um, run-up, yeah, it came down to about 78.6, but that was for about a day. And if you swing this for a week or two weeks, you know, you're, you're looking at a pretty solid run-up, uh, macroscopically speaking. So that's a good way to 
you know, get into stocks and, and predict how much it's going to pull back because we can't predict, you know, essentially uh, we had this gap up, so it's going to continue to run or oh, we had this gap up, so it, it might pull back. You know, we want to prepare it for both scenarios just by the off chance that either one happens. I'm probably just rambling at this okay. point, man. I'm just excited. <laughs> I love no, talking about this. Stuff. No, no, no. It's fine. So uh, got it. So you're trying to put the bottom where, where it begins. The right, top the base where where topped out like the highest trade basically, which is that the, obviously the little skinny part of the candle here. So right. that's that's where you're putting the top. So that gives you that zero to a hundred percent. And then exactly. all of these these other uh, measures in between here, this 23, 38, 50, 61, 78. What what do those signify? Yeah, man, it's a great question. So what these do essentially is tell you how much a stock gives back from the initial run up. So if it stayed at three dollars and ninety cents, right, that would mean that you gave back zero percent of the run up from the bottom of a dollar fifty. If it came back down to two ninety eight, that would mean you yeah. gave back thirty eight point two percent of the run up. Typically, a strong chart. Uh, if it stays above fifty percent, that means there's a lot of buying presence, a lot of buying pressure. And we can see here that it touched down at seventy eight point six, and consequently, you know, there wasn't a lot of strong buying pressure, so it traded sideways for you know about a week and a half. So it's a way that you can kind of predict upcoming price action. Of course, it's not an exact science. It's an art, uh, you know, news catalyst and fundamentals. Sometimes we'll trump technical analysis setups. Like you could have the worst technical setup on the planet. But if all of a sudden, you know, you, you get an article that comes out saying Sensonics is going to be bought, bought out by Tesla. Well, of course, the price is going right. to skyrocket. So it's a, it's, a, it's a way to predict based on if you lived in a vacuum. So um, unfortunately, the market's not, nothing's guaranteed, as you already know. You know, sometimes you win some, you lose some. But it's a way to really capitalize on wins. And, uh, you know, kind of limit the losses for sure. Yeah. And, and now when, when you get these news catalysts and a stock's up, you know, 10% or whatever, uh, how, how do you know or, or what, like, what are you looking for to help you think, okay, I'm going to jump in on this news. It's already up 10%, but that's okay. I think you keep going. Or did it already have its run? Like, let's say you're really early on the news. Right, man. So if you're really early on the news, um, and you haven't seen a run up a whole lot yet. That typically would be pretty, pretty okay. I think you're pretty fine. Uh, a, a great example for me is going to be MVIS. This is the first one that comes to my, my, uh, forefront of my brain. So they just recently mm -hmm. had, um, a news article come out talking about their prototype on their automotive LIDAR. They have their, uh, their, their prototype a, and that came out pretty much right before market close or right at market close. And you see this huge freaking run up where it was just having a terrible day, right? The chart setup was not good, right? It was trading sideways for a while, bled a little bit. That article comes out and all mm. of a sudden it's running up. Well, if you got into that, you know, five, 10 minutes after it started the run up, that's not the end of the world. You could probably ride that up and be okay. But let's say for instance, that you, you see this article an hour later. So at this point, it's already yeah. run up to, you know, a close of $18 and, and 90 cents or so, you know, that's a little bit risky. So we don't typically want to chase stocks as a swing trade because you can end up being a bag holder, which isn't fun. So I like to watch at that point, if you already missed the run up for the pullback, you know, buy the dip, sell the rips. And that's where the Fibonacci retracement <laughs> comes into play. It's, uh, it's, it's a beautiful yeah. thing because you can predict based on previous trends how much a stock is going to pull back. So if we look at Microvision, this is a pretty heavily shorted stock, you know, historically speaking. But um, mm -hmm. if we look at this little, little run up right here, right, it pulled up to about uh, what would have been uh, $16.19 and retraced to 61.8% right here, which was about 14 bucks. Well, if it follows that exact same trend, right, and we move over here to the to where it pulled back last time, it did pull back just slightly underneath that. But if you were to buy in at sixty one point eight percent, you'd already be up right now and a day a day later. So using these previous trends, right, and predicting based on how the charts have acted in the past, you can you can get into these stocks and not have to chase if it does have a great news catalyst because a new a good news catalyst is good in the short term, but it's also good in the long term. I mean, like that that uh, Microvision Automotive LiDAR prototype. 
yeah, it's great for the price action today, but that means that they're making progress for the presentation coming in April. So that's a it's a it's a good way to you know get a gauge of okay, this is moving in the right direction. This could be a good either swing trade or midterm long term hold. I'm personally extremely bullish on Microvision. I think it's going to be a hundred dollar stock at the end of the year. But uh, that's, wow. that's that's my two cents on that, my friend. Wow, um, and, and is that like the the that must be more of the fundamentalist in you suggesting this is going to go oh, to yeah, hundred definitely. 100%, okay. man. And, uh, Microvision to me is and, a, and a company that sells the pickaxes to the coal miners. They've got a lot of potential. Got it. Got it. And and, uh, and do you think they're going to get acquired or do you think they're going to produce their own stuff? I think they're going to end up getting uh, bought out for sure. So there's a couple different companies that are trying to get into the autonomous vehicle scene. We know that Apple is working mm. on that right now. Microsoft. I think Ford is uh, starting to work on some electric vehicles. And then I know people say that Elon Musk doesn't like uh, LiDAR because it's too bulky and ugly. But I'm telling you, Microvision yeah. stuff is pretty sleek. It is aesthetic. Uh, I think all those companies are very real possibilities. I think Apple and micro, uh, Microsoft are probably the most likely. But that's a very lucrative process, man. And the good thing about Microvision is if their automotive LiDAR presentation in April goes well, they're going to be able to negotiate a lot. They're going to be able to get the most bang for their buck, uh, the, the, the biggest acquisition that they want, because they're going to be a very desirable company. I personally think this is going to be a leading uh, a leading you know company in the terms of you know LiDAR and autonomous vehicles. Uh, I've got a lot of faith in this, because you see the price action here. This is just off a of prototype. They haven't even had that presentation yet, and they've gone up, you know, I think 200% in the last last week and a half just based on basically right. rumors so it's a there's a lot of potential here man i love it i love it this is my favorite company my girl so, mavis <laughs> so so when you see uh a, a stock run on rumors it doesn't make you nervous you're actually getting reiterated on it i mean like a ccav is running on rumors right yeah totally that's a that's a great example for sure so the thing about CCIV, which is interesting, is everything that you've seen happen here, as you're saying, is based on rumors. So the rumor to be yeah. you know, in, in buyout talks or, or acquisition talks with Lucid, which Lucid, mm. that, that'd be absolutely insane. Uh, CCIV would become a triple digit company in my mind pretty much instantly. But that's, yeah, for, wow. that, for, for sure. So there's there's good, you know, basically indicators and, and hints that each company is giving out as to this is pretty likely that it's going to happen. Um, and if it doesn't happen, you know, that's what trailing stop losses are for, where you can capitalize on the gains that you've already made. Um, and that, that's an instance where as long as you're smart with the way that you invest, uh, you're not going to get burned too bad because you already you already got the run up from the rumor. Buy the rumor, sell the news. Mm. That's how it works. You know, no yeah, saying, yeah, no kidding. Goes. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody in the comments here. Nicola was all rumors. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah, <Nicola> was. <laughs> that's all right. That's Even if one. it is. At the end of the day, it just yeah. matters what, uh, what what trader and investor sentiment is, right? It doesn't matter what you or I think as uh, you know one personal uh, investor because we can't influence the market. If the entire market is bullish on a stock, you might as well you might as well join them. You know, that's how it goes. Ah, interesting. So, what about like I hear a lot of people talking about like Zom. Have you talked about that one at all? I have. I uh, yeah. I am very bullish on on Zom. Uh, it might be Zom. I'm not sure. I'm probably saying it wrong. <laughs> yeah. But I'm I probably the one saying it wrong, man. <laughs> no, yeah. who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Uh, I love Zoom. I think they're a great company. So lately, they've been having a huge push in volume, basically off of no news. I think this is a lot of hype. We know that they're going to be commercializing their True Forma system, which is basically just uh, it focuses on cats and dogs. It helps um, you know manage their their thyroid gland, you know, keep pets healthy, and it's a good play because uh, with COVID and quarantine, a lot more people have pets and animals. And with mm. an increase in demand for pets and animals comes an increase in demand for their health. So if they can really capitalize on that market, which I think is pretty niche, uh, I think there's a lot of opportunity to continue to generate revenue even as quarantine ends because people aren't just going to get rid of their pets. You know, there's always going to be that demand once they're there. Um, so I think personally that Zoom 
I know I had a $5 price target on this at the end of March. I think it's going to probably be closer to six or seven by the end of March because we've seen it run up this much just based on hype, rumors, right? Uh, I, I love them. I think they're a good mm -hmm. company for sure. Yeah. Now, are you always setting stop losses or are, are you do you let things uh, run sometimes? Great question. It depends on the play. Uh, it depends on the play for sure. So I, like I said, um, I don't know if I've mentioned this already, but I try to split up my portfolio about half, you know, midterm, long-term investments and half swing trading. And for a midterm, long-term investment, I typically won't set a trailing stop loss unless I think I got it in a bad entry point, right? So Microvision mm -hmm. is a good example for me. I bought into to Microvision as a long-term play. Uh, I got into this back when it was trading at about, you know, $8 or so. And maybe the smarter nice. thing to do would have been to set that trailing stop loss for five to 10% and then buy back in at that 461. I didn't do that, but I did end up holding, you know, and I'm still up here pretty decent with that long-term hold. So with the mid to long-term play, you could set a trailing stop loss, buy back in at a better point, but then you might miss out on a run-up, right? It's a little bit different than, than a swing trade. So personally, I think with a mid to long-term, you're better off if you buy in at a bad point, just averaging down adding it to your position because if you have true conviction, you've done your due diligence on a stock, you really believe in where it's going, you believe in the company, then the price is psychological in my mind. Like when it was when I was down $4,000 on Microvision, I just thought to myself, man, this is a fire sale. <laughs> I'm going to be able to average down yeah. and really capitalize when this thing runs to where I think it's capable of. And we have seen that happen, which is which is absolutely beautiful. So with so the mid to long term, you know, oh. go ahead, man. Yeah, I was going to say, how, how important is it to uh, have a really good fundamental belief in a company where, where you really believe in it uh, while you're trading these so that you don't get scared out when it falls? Oh, man, it's that's that's so important. That's uh, I'm really glad you brought that up, Kevin, because uh, if you don't mm -hmm. believe in a company, you haven't done your homework. All that's going to really be in your mind is the emotions, right? As investors, yeah. the, the less you're controlled by emotions and the psychological aspect of the chartings, right? Um, the, the better off you are because, you know, if I, if I'd just been super scared, I was like, man, this has been in a downward moving channel for literally a week. Uh, it's never going to go back yeah. up. Um, you know, I would have sold for a loss and I'd have never capitalized on the, you know, the, the 200% gain that's happened so far here. So being able to really do your homework, sit down and, and truly feel convicted in a stock that you're investing in at least mid to long term, uh, the better off you're going to be. I actually think, you know, a lot of people will, you know, take this for what it is. Everybody's in different situations, but I think over diversification uh, can be a way that you kind of hurt your gains in a stock. I would rather have five to seven stocks in my portfolio that I feel truly convicted in, that I've done my homework on, that I feel really confident with the chart setup, the entry point, the exit point, right? And let those run. Because if you've done your homework, then the price is psychological if you know what it's worth and you know where the direction is going. Mm -hmm. Unless, you know, something happens that changes that. But that's my two cents, man. Got it. Got it. Uh, so what are your, what are your favorite longs right now? Microvision is uh, my number one. <laughs> Everybody on the channel wow. okay. uh, makes fun of me because this is, uh, I call it Mavis. I call her my girl Mavis. I love my girlfriend to death. Uh, she's, she's absolutely awesome. But if I had to have a, a second girlfriend, I think it would be MBIS because this company is so freaking crazy, Kevin. I can't tell you how much I'm excited for this, uh, this stock, but that is probably number one right now. Another one that I really like oh. is FRSX. I think this has pretty much equal potential, maybe a little bit less, but about equal potential to Microvision. So essentially what they do, they are foresight autonomous. They're, they're also in the autonomous vehicle uh, sector and they provide tools and, and uh, technology that help drive in bad weather conditions. So, you know, snowstorms, uh, bad road conditions, and the car will still drive itself, which is really, really interesting. And basically both FRSX and Microvision are the companies selling the pickaxes to the coal miners. So you can think as Neo, mm. Tesla, um, XPEV, Lee, these are the coal miners. They're out there mining, but they can't do what they do without the technology that allows these autonomous vehicles to exist. So that's what I think is really cool about MBIS and, and uh, FRSX is they basically sell the, the technology that enables that to happen. 
So I think these guys are lagging a little bit right now. I think there's not enough hype, <laughs> not, a, not enough attention to these companies, but those are probably my top two as of right now. And then I am also but, very, you know, this is, go ahead. Oh, Xpeng already has, you know, a LiDAR partner. Uh, right. Neo, it looks like they're going to do some kind of LiDAR on, on top of their, on their ET7 on, on sort of the top, which I, it looks almost very like Microvision-esque where they're doing the very small scale forward-facing yeah, right, right. LiDAR. But, but what happens if they already have partners? I mean, you know, there could be a lot of pickaxe vendors uh, it, and uh, not, you know, people just go to, yeah, to the Lowe's and not the Home Depot, right? <laughs> you know, and that's what's pretty cool about where we're at right now in the States is we know that Apple and uh, Microsoft mm -hmm. and Ford are all trying to get into that autonomous vehicle sector. So right there, there's three companies off the top of my head that could be potential candidates that were either, you know, Microvision or FRSX comes into play and says, hey, I think I've got some pretty cool technology that can really push you into the game. And we know that, you know, I think Apple's supposed uh, they're, they're hoping to be into the autonomous vehicle sector by 2023 or 24. So that'd be a ways down the road, right? It might take some time for that to develop. But I do think there's going to be up and coming okay. companies that are very interested in the technology that's presented here for sure. Ah, okay. Got it. Got it. And that's like a, that's an April thing that Microvision's doing and they're trying to get bought out so somebody can manufacture their stuff or, or they could do it as part of them or whatever, huh? Yeah, exactly, man. You got it. You got it right on the head. <laughs> okay. Nice. Nice. Definitely. So what, what, I mean, what about like, uh, do you go along on, on things like Tesla or, or some of these other companies as well? Yeah, I've, I've had a position in Tesla in the past. I'll just pull this up really quick. I bought into Tesla back when it was, uh, I think about $400. And I, uh, mm -hmm. I I still have one share of this, but I sold out because, and not because I don't like Tesla, but because I think mm -hmm. a lot of the the hype that's involved with Tesla is the fact that it's Elon Musk, which is uh, it's yeah. it's it's insane. Is his name carries so much weight? You know, we know what Tesla holds, but um, as it sits right now, I think the price is a little bit inflated. I think there's likely going to be a pullback. To be honest with you, um, you know, I I think that Tesla is just starting to become profitable now. But, um, you know, I prefer to get into those stocks which haven't already run up a ton. I, I look for stocks that I think have potential, which uh, people are kind of overlooking. The ones that have had maybe previously, you know, not great growth, not great financial statements, not great chart setups, where all of a sudden they're getting that breakout. And you can really capitalize on that. Uh, maybe that's something I shouldn't do. But but that's my personal strategy, and it's treated me pretty well as of now. But Tesla's awesome. I love Elon Musk. I love following his Twitter. <laughs> he's uh, He's got some funny yeah, stuff. He's been pushing Dogecoin lately, which is really interesting. <laughs> Are are you jumping in on the Doge? I've uh, I've been in and out for sure, for sure. I I, I probably uh, you know capitalized on about a hundred percent gains on that. Um, it's 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 a meme stock for sure. <laughs> it's a it's an interesting situation. I do have a, a quarter of a Bitcoin, so that's that's about my most serious investment okay. in in the cryptocurrency uh, market. I've got about twelve thousand dollars of Bitcoin, but nothing super intense. I want to do a little more research on that to be honest with you. But I do see it has potential because something that I found very interesting. I was talking with a, a hedge fund uh, analyst. His name's Justin. He's got his own channel. And he was saying, you know, the American dollar depreciates in value every year while Bitcoin appreciates mm. in value every year, which I think is a really interesting mm. statement. You know, it might take some time for that to really play out. But I think maybe, you know, 10, 15, 20 years down the road, you can see this little transition and shift in, in terms of currency used in the United States for sure. Got it. So, uh, you know, Tesla, <clears throat> going back to Tesla for a sec, because they, they also invested in, in Bitcoin. Here's a here's a stock that it seems like it often trades sideways for a while, and then it gets into these insane, you know, twenty one to thirty day runs where it's just like oh, yeah. every day it's up, 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 up. How you know is that just is do you ever well and then and then to compare this to to like a micro, uh, you know, someone would say there's probably a higher risk that look micro.
throw either goes to the moon or it goes away, then like there's a risk of a Tesla going away. How do you balance having, you know, stocks that could in theory not be here in five years versus stocks that could be, that will probably be in five years? Yeah, man, that's a, that's a great question. So what's interesting about that is it all comes down to, you know, a, a personal investors or traders uh, risk to reward ratio. So if you're really comfortable getting into Tesla and just setting it and forgetting it, like you know that you're going to be guaranteed growth every single year. You can say the same about Apple, same about Microsoft. AT&T pays a pretty good dividend, I think. You know, all these growth stocks, which we know have previous success that are going to continue to grow because they are what they are. So that's always a good thing, right? There's no, there's no harm in that whatsoever. But at the end of the day, what it comes down to is the reward is lower. So because there's less risk, there's also less reward. Uh, Apple has been on a pretty good run here in the past, you know, year or so. But you know, the, the, the point being that uh, these typically don't have as much upside as a stock like you know BNGO, where it's up over you know 1,500% in in the last um, you know what would be two months or so. Um, so that's that's what it comes down to. If you're fine with you know really really letting the the everyday you know very slow growth come into play with an apple a tesla you know tesla's probably an asterisk because that that growth is absolutely insane <laughs> tesla i think defies all wow. all basic fundamentals of uh of the market but um it just comes down to how how comfortable and how much you want to personally manage your account um because those, as, as you're saying man you know these these micro companies could at any point go down to zero they could go bankrupt there's, there's no way to know and you know tesla right. you don't have to pay as much attention to apple you don't have to pay as much attention to so it's how much time you've got at, you know, at the end of the day to me. Are you willing to you know, take every day to spend you know, 15, 20 minutes looking at stocks, checking the recent news, seeing if you know, anything has changed regarding the sentiment, the, the current fundamentals of the company, et cetera? That's my two cents on that. I see. Okay, got it. So, uh, and, and that's really useful to make sure that you have this, this uh, strong underlying belief because, uh, I mean, what tell, tell us about like, when is it time to, to actually panic sell versus oh, I'm just panic selling, right? Because that happens. Like people get into a trade and it doesn't always go up. I mean, there are days yeah, right. they go up, you take a profit. There are days they go down. It's like, when does a trade become a swing? Uh, you know, is there a rule of thumb for that? Yeah, man, definitely, definitely. So I can think of two instances right off the top of my head. I actually just made a video on this. One of them is Vine Therapeutics. Okay. So this company, uh, I'll just pull up the profile really quick, but they're basically just a pharmaceutical company. They just affected a reverse split. So they're going to do a four to one reverse split, which will turn, you know, as you know, four shares into one share. This 268 will be worth, uh, what does that come out to, like $11 or so. And that's an instance where I think it's best to step away until you see how trader sentiment comes into this stock. Because typically companies will affect the reverse split if they, they don't think they're going to be able to maintain NASDAQ compliance. We know with Vine that they did that because, um, you know, similar market cap companies of, of the same size typically have less shares. But that doesn't necessarily mean that investors and traders are going to have the same sentiment that the company has. So, you know, with an instance like this where you have a reverse split, that's where I would step away and say, whatever, whatever thoughts I had about this company, I'm going to take a step back. I'm going to pull out my position and I'm going to watch and see how other people react to it. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if I'm 100% bullish on this. I think this is going to go to $1,000. If other people don't think that, right, uh, at that point, you got to take a step back yeah. and, and realize, yeah, this isn't probably going to happen. So that's a situation where, you know, maybe even this could have the best setup in the world. It could have been trading at $10 and all of a sudden you see a reverse split. I'm pulling out. I don't want to I don't want to deal with that uh, for at least for now until I can see more things develop, see how people react, etc. One that I don't think is bad is with like BNGO. So when a company does a direct offering, right, you can usually see when a company does a direct offering, it's a way for them to, you know, 
basically create some capital, uh, raise some money for the company to continue operations. And that's typically when you see these pullbacks. So I'd be willing to almost bet you money that right here, this is a, this is a direct offering, this pullback right here. And that's an instance where people mm -hmm. shouldn't freak out because direct offerings in the short term, you know, yes, it's going to pull the stock price down. But what it can do is offer you an opportunity to dollar cost average up if you are interested in doing so. And it's a good thing for the long-term potential of a company because they generate more revenue. They're able to continue their operations. They're able to help grow whatever, you know, whatever sector they're in. For BNGO, it's the Sapphire system, the, the genome sequencing, essentially. Um, so that's a different situation where you shouldn't panic too much. It all comes down to, you know, what is the premise? What is the fundamentals of the news catalyst that came out? And how is it going to affect the company in the short term and the long term? That's my two cents on that. That was probably pretty long-winded, but <laughs> I try to, I, I just get hyped no, about this, that's Kevin. Good. It's a blast. Yeah, so... And then you you like to draw boxes. What's your strategy here with these boxes? Is that just to highlight what you're talking about, or what, yeah, what, what exactly, do you do man. with these? Exactly. So when mm -hmm. I was talking about the direct offering, this is the price action where I think was being influenced by the direct offering. So I think the direct offering, you know, was was influenced in basically priced into this this downward momentum. You know, I couldn't tell you for sure. I'd have to pull up the the news article, but I'd be willing to to bet either here or on, on previous pullbacks, you saw oh, direct offering, people panicked, they sold out. And then there were other traders that basically took advantage of that pullback and bought in and they got to experience the true run-up that, that BNGO has had so far and will probably continue to have. So that's what I use the boxes for. I use them for basically highlighting price action, uh, pointing out zones where you see you know, this, this crossover on the 15 MA over the 200 EMA. I use it to highlight different volume. Like we see here, the volume was up a little bit. So I, I highlight mm -hmm. that so I can see and pay attention to that. It's just basically a use on Weeble to capitalize on and look at different things that could, you know, play a factor in upcoming price action. Yeah. So you're looking at that spike there, that spike there on the left. Let's say, let's say you zoom into that and let's go to the minute on, on that spike right there. Uh, yeah, definitely. yeah that, e either one of those doesn't matter. Uh, the question is, how do you know, or even here, go to, if you can, let's see, where's this spike. If I zoom out a little bit, uh, BNGO here, let's go to, uh, the 25th, uh, actually, okay. yeah, the 25th. All right. So we go into the 25th and, uh, we go into the day here. So my question is going to be. I'll let you get there. I got to get there too. Yeah, yeah, no worries. No, I, I zoomed out to the 30 minute to get there faster. <laughs> yeah, that was smart. That was uh, smart. Uh, let's see. Okay, 25th. All right. I want some almost this day. there. I'm going to go back to a minute. That's all right. Yeah, the, the sideways scrolling is always funny on a. I know, I know. Computers. I know. Typical. All right, I'm on the 25th, 25th of January here. Okay. Uh, so, uh, oh, mine, mine actually went away from the 25th. That's funny. I changed it from 30 minutes to one minute and it bounced back to the 12th. <laughs> yeah, man. I know. So, I wish you could answer like an exact date that you want to look out on a one minute chart. There's probably a way to do it that I just don't know, but right. it's, uh, it's, it's, <laughs> it is what it is. It is what it is. It's kind of annoying. Yeah. yeah they, a little they, bit, a little yeah, bit. You're so right. I, yeah, that's, I literally just have to scroll sideways like what you did. That's crazy. Maybe somebody in the comments knows how to, how to solve yeah, that. Yeah, there's definitely but somebody yeah, out there smarter, it, than, smarter than me that <laughs> probably knows that I'm just not doing it right. No, like there should just be like under under range you should or whatever. You should just be able to open up a little calendar or something like that. Right. Uh, but whatever. Okay, so so we're on the 25th now. Uh, we Yes, we've both arrived at the 25th. So obviously we've got this sudden sell-off there around, uh, you know, 11.10. But let's say it's the beginning of the day. The market just opened. We're zooming in pretty hardcore here, okay? I'm going to go right. all the way to basically where I'm just looking at market open to the first 20 minutes here. So I got this move up. I, I got the, the high RSI. 
I've got this gap happening here between the, uh, uh, what do we got, the EMA uh, 200 and the SMA 15. Right. You know, I enter the trade. Like, I mean, everything seems to confirm here, right? I get my three points on the line. If I wanted to draw uh, three points over here, uh, you know, hey, I've-ish, something like this, somewhere over here. How, you know, what happens then when it sells off afterwards? Like it kind of did the rest of that day. Definitely, man. There's a couple different things we can actually look at here, which uh, which okay. can be good good learning opportunities. So uh, when mm -hmm. you see this huge sell-off, there's actually a way that you can predict that it's going to be bad. And it's it, it goes like this. So if we were just looking at this right now, and all you saw was this price action up to these four candles. These are one-minute candles. Uh, you see that it's got yeah. this respected ascending level of support. We got one, two, three, four, yeah. five different touch points. And then we've got this wide-range candle bar that breaks beneath it. So what a wide range candle bar is essentially is it's a hard push. It's a it's a candle that covers a lot of price action. And if you get a little one, like for instance, if all it did was you know tiptoe, like we see this wick doing that underneath here, just barely breaks underneath here. Wicks don't typically count too much, but we get uh, this hard push underneath, and the bar closes beneath that level of uh, basically support. That to me indicates that that ascending level of support no longer is being respected, and it has begun a downward trend. So, you know, at that point, you may want to consider if you enter your trade, having that trailing stop loss activate or maybe getting out of your position to wait for that next upcoming low. And you can actually predict when a stock is going to bottom out as well. So that does come to fruition. It broke that with a wide range candle bar. You see it sell off really hard. And how you know you found the bottom, at least to me, is we get this candlestick pattern right here. I'll just highlight that so everybody mm -hmm. can see it. This is called an engulfing yeah. candlestick pattern. So essentially what it is, is you get a, a wide range green candle that is larger than the previous wide range uh, red candle. That to me indicates that you found the bottom. So here at $10.45, if you see, you know, you, you bought it maybe right here. You see that this green candle opens mm -hmm. up past or, or closes past, you know, what would be $11.40. At that point, you've broken out of that downward trend. And there's another way that you can predict that as well, which is this descending level of resistance. You get a wide range candle that breaks beneath that. So we got one, two, three different touch points here. We get this wide range green candle that breaks above that descending level of resistance, signifying that we've broken out of this downward channel. That to me indicates that, all right, we are now in a new uh, movement. And at this point, you know, I'd feel pretty, pretty comfortable having that position down here at 1045. If you did end up having a trailing stop loss set on that uh, ascending level of support for maybe 5% or so. So over here, uh, what was this, the, the candle that you mentioned that gave you sort of this warning sign? Where was that? What, what time was that? That would have been at uh, 1053 when we broke beneath that ascending level of support. Oh, so you can see wait, here okay. really So when the full candle was under exactly, the MA15. Exactly. Right. It's this exact okay. candle right here. I'll just highlight it quick. It's a wide range candle, covers a lot of price action. It closes beneath that ascending level of support. So if you get a candle wick that dips underneath that, I'm, I'm not too concerned about that uh, because you know it means that the price action got pushed back up above that level of support, which actually indicates that it's pretty well respected, right? It means it's doing exactly what it's supposed to do. It's it's holding up the price action. Right. It's holding up the, the buyers. Uh, but once you break that and you close beneath that, people will panic. Traders at that point will sell out of their positions. You know, if you're a day trader, they'll wait for that bottom out or they'll short the stock down to the bottom, basically. And that's that's what you're looking for is that hard break underneath that line. That to me indicates that you've broken out of that channel. And then you can do the same thing. The, the cool thing about uh, trend lines, uh, Kevin, is that they, they work pretty much anywhere. I mean, you, you can do the same thing with this resistance. So we've got that same, you know, uh, fundamental basis where we get this wide range candle that breaks above it, signifying that we've broken out of this downward trend. And it did continue for the rest of the day. If I zoom out here and just take a peek, you know, I traded sideways, mm -hmm. but trading sideways isn't bad. And at the end of the day, it ended up being pretty green. So um, it's a it's a good way to capitalize on those uh, on those sell offs for sure. It's a way to manage risk, as you were as you were asking. 
Got it. Got it. Uh, so here's a here's a question here. Somebody's wondering if you're day trading on good volume near a bottom and have upwards momentum, why not buy a long call instead of the stock? Yeah, no harm in that at all. I, uh, I actually do play call options uh, every now and then. I do typically trade stocks. So the difference between basically options and a stock is you don't need to put forth as much capital to capitalize on a gain, but there is more risk involved. So if you've got an option, it expires worthless. You're just out the premium. You don't make any money. Whereas if you're willing to pay more for the stock, you know, you don't have as much return. You do have to put more forth more money to make good money, right? But the risk is lower because you can you can close out your position at any time. And if you're at 5%, all of a sudden something happens that changes the situation. You know, you can take that 5% gain and be like, all right, I'm good. I, I did absolutely fine. But you can do that. In fact, mm -hmm. I do have a couple of different stocks, which I do have call options for. Uh, I've got a call option on Sensonics for uh, a strike price of $5.50 uh, expiration on March 19th. I'm pretty bullish on the stock. I think it's got a lot of potential. So when you've got a lot of good volume, uh, it's near a bottom. You know, the, the the supply and demand situation still applies. You can buy your contract for really cheap, buy it at the bottom, and then you get that mm -hmm. upper momentum. You can really make uh, some good gains. So there's no no harm in that at all for uh, Ross Karras. I, I, I hope I said that right. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> no, it's, no, it's a different fair. way to do the same thing. Can I ask you to go to uh, Feb 12 on Tesla? Yeah, definitely. So we had a we had a sell off down to 785, and uh, it it's sort of engulfing candle movement was more like a three or four engulfing candle movement. There is that. Can you use the same bullish strategy on that? Yeah, you, you definitely can. So if you actually change this to a five minute chart, that'll change the overall mm -hmm. way that the candles look. So let's say that you combine these two candles, right? Let's say you combine these candles, right? What that would look like is you basically have uh, a wick like this followed by you know this body of the candle down here. So that's what these two mm -hmm. candles combined would look like. You'd have this wick because we knew that uh, the price action got pushed and then this is where it ended up closing. So at that point, you can see we have this engulfing candlestick pattern, which actually has a very large body. It moves above the wick here. That to me indicates a nice wide range candle situation where you ended up you know closing above that. So you can actually combine you know different uh, chart setups and, and see it that way. Um, let me change it to mm -hmm. February 12th again here. I don't know why it moved me out so far. That's really goofy. Oh, no worries. All right, here we are. Uh, so, so that's yeah, interesting. So, so, so you, you can, can see it exactly just... right here. Yep. Mm -hmm. And you're just moving out to the five minute instead. Right. Or so you can you see this on the five minute chart or the 30 minute. Essentially, all you're doing is combining oh. those candles to see where they open, where they close, where buyers try to push the price, where sellers try to push the price, essentially. And mm. this the, the same you know principles apply where you have this engulfing candlestick pattern, which typically indicates an upcoming reversal. So that's what's kind of nice about having different charts pulled up. Like you'll see some traders will have a one minute chart, a five minute chart, 30 minute chart, hourly chart, because then they can look at both the macroscopic and microscopic price action, which is why I try to focus on both of those at the same time, because there's information that you can pull for basically all of that. So that's my two cents on mm. that, Kevin. So so do you yeah, like man. doing that? Do you keep and can you do that on Weeble here? Can you can I have multiple you charts yeah, going you at the same can. time? Definitely. So if you click on this little customize bar here on the left side of the screen, you can open up a new layout and then do whatever you'd like to do. So you could have multi-charts right here. I'll just click on multi-charts. Multi -char oh my God. Yeah. And then you can change, uh, you know, to whatever stocks you want. So if I want, let's say, you know, four charts on four different time frames on Weeble or Microvision, I could do that. I could have a one minute chart right here. Mm. I could change this to a five minute chart, change this to a 30, change this to an hourly. And you can look at a lot of different price mm. action and, and, you know, keep track of a bunch of different things at once, which is very nice for sure. Now they're all changing when I type it in a ticker. Can I make them different tickers? You can. So if you click on this little uh, set as group button and change it to two, 
or three or whatever you'd like to, to do that as it creates a group. So essentially, if you have two boxes set for three, uh -huh. what will happen is it'll change both of those boxes to a certain stock. So you see here that I've got two charts on three. If I type in AMC, it pops up uh, AMC on both of these. Number two is its own individual group. I could type in Sensonics. It'll keep Sensonics here. And then I can look at MVIS at the same time. So you can have as many charts or as little charts as you want and just watch price action on whatever time frame you'd like with that multi-chart setup. Oh, what a powerful platform here, Weeble, huh? Oh, I love it, man. I I think it's uh I'm actually very happy I transferred over here from Fidelity. I love Fidelity, uh, but this is definitely a lot cleaner. It's a lot more user friendly. It's easier to to learn. I think the learning curve is not too bad. Uh, so it's it's great. I've got nothing but uh, good things to say about Weeble for sure. Which is a great place to mention that if you want to get two totally free stocks with Weeble, you got to go to metkevin.com slash Weeble in the link down below. Yeah, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I've, I've really enjoyed them. Uh, but uh, yeah, so, uh, okay. So, uh, I mean, when you're, when you're kind of, because you were more swing trading, are you keeping on multi-charts or are you just getting distracted if you have too many of these charts up? Uh, it, it, it totally depends on the situation. So when I'm swing trading, you know, maybe I want to watch a couple different positions at once, but I try to focus on maybe having mm -hmm. one or two swing positions at a time. Ones that I feel truly convicted in. I've done a lot of homework. I feel pretty comfortable with the entry point. Uh, so like, I'll keep a watch list. So like, so let's say I've got five different, uh, five different stocks that I'm watching pretty close. The one that I really hit pretty solid on recently was CTRM. And I look at like five different uh, stocks for a swing trade. And I try to get into the one with the best possible entry point. For me, that was CTRM. Mm -hmm. And at that point, you know, what I'll probably do is just keep up this one screen. And then if there's something I want clarification on, like let's say on the the one-minute chart or the 30-minute chart, I'll just switch it over, which is what's cool about Weeble is everything's pretty pretty nice and uh, leveled out, transitions over really smoothly. But um, that's that's my go-to. I just try to swing one or two stocks at the most. So it's not a huge issue for me to, you know, have multiple charts set up at once. Um, it's, you know, if, you, if you're trading a lot of positions, it's a great tool, without a doubt. But I try to, like I said, not over-diversify. That way, when, I, when a run-up actually happens, you can really really capitalize on it and let that uh, let that thing go to town, you know? Got it. And, and then you, you also mention patterns sometimes, like, oh, here's the, the bull flag coming out or, or, or whatever. How consistent are these patterns when you're trading compared to, uh, you know, are, are people just, oh, I see the pattern too, and they're trading with it? Uh, and, and then that's reiterating it or, or what's happening with these patterns? Yeah, man, definitely, definitely. So the patterns are a way to basically indicate uh, sentiment and psychology on a chart. So on my channel, <laughs> I call this, uh, this is a double bottom. This is a, an example of a pattern right here. So if we just zoom in a little bit, you can see we had a double bottom. One, one bounce right here, two bounces right here. I call this the George W because it looks like a W formation. Um, and that typically indicates an upcoming bullish reversal. So we can see here that we've got this bounce off of this uh, respected level of support. We got three touch points, one, two, three, and it ended up having that that upward momentum, which would have been a great entry point and confirmation if you're looking for maybe a day trade or a swing trading opportunity on a stock. Of course, they don't always play out, right? Sometimes when you have these these setups, like you're saying, uh, it, you don't end up having that push. Maybe it does the exact opposite thing. That's where you know technical analysis is always trumped by news catalyst or you know. Uh, trader sentiment, that sort of thing. But basically what you're having is other traders seeing, all right, we had a bottom here, right? That means that the, the sellers have tried to push the price down and rejected twice. Buyers have been bringing the price back up. It's basically a way to predict, you know, these upcoming runs. And you can do the exact opposite. So if you see, you know, a double top, which would essentially be, you know, two points on which a stock comes up, comes down, comes back up, retests, and then comes back down. Uh, that, that, that indicates that uh, there is some weak buying presence and you might see a little bit of a trend reversal for the downward side. So um, typically they're pretty accurate. I would say, you know, probably 
um, six, seven, eight times out of 10. You know, it's a little bit of a range. It depends on the stock. It depends on the previous trends. Uh, it's a pretty good indicator. It's a good way to uh, really capitalize on and, and predict where stock price action is going to go for sure. Got him. So, somebody uh, got or got it. If somebody here is asking, uh, ask him about the head and shoulders and the M pattern. M for murder. What? M for murder. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I, I always call it M for mini. <laughs> uh, but the M pattern is exactly what I just showed you. So it's that uh, that oh, double okay. top. It looks like an M. It's basically just the exact opposite of the, the, the George W, which is what I call. But it's a double top. So you got this, this two points here where a stock tries to break through a level of uh, resistance. It was rejected. And it ends up breaking beneath this neckline and back down. Um, so that's typically mm -hmm. a a uh, a sign of weak buying pressure. It's a sign of an upcoming you know bearish reversal, which typically does happen. Um, if I was to zoom out here really quick on CTRM and see if I can just find an instance where that maybe happened, um, it'd be right here. So we've got this uh, we've got this M formation right where it, where it tops out, tops out, comes back down, sells down. Um, then I'm gonna look for a head and shoulders pattern if I can. Sure. So a head and shoulders essentially looks like oh here's another m pattern so we got an m we got the double top sells off right so that's a that's a way that you can typically see when a stock is about to have a little bit of a uh bearish reversal so if i was to show you a head and shoulders pattern it's very similar to this but uh, you see something a little bit different so you see what looks like a little bit of a mountain setup so you get one little top here which is the first shoulder then you get a big spike in the middle which would be the head and then it comes back down to previous levels and has another retest for a push meaning about where that second shoulder was. And then you'll typically see a sell-off. So the middle here would be the head. Here you've got the two shoulders. And then you've got, uh, you know, the sell-off below the neckline, which is typically, like I said, a sign of an upcoming bearish reversal and a bearish run. Huh. Uh, can you take, somebody's asking here, uh, John's asking, can you take this info and trade Bitcoin? Well, I don't think you get the, the you get the sticks as detailed on Bitcoin, huh? Uh, I personally, you know, the charting setup on Bitcoin, uh, I, I'm not super familiar with it. I'm in Bitcoin as a, you know, a long-term investment. I'm just going to let that money ride and see where you can go, but you can pretty much just take the exact same fundamentals of technical analysis and apply it to anything. That's what's beautiful about charting mm -hmm. is it applies to any chart setup. So you could do this with Bitcoin hypothetically. Uh, let's say you want to scalp Bitcoin, which I mean, maybe on a one day uh, time frame, you want to get in low, buy on dips, sell on a good rip, wait for it to pull back. You can do that over and over and over again, hypothetically speaking, and uh, turn a pretty good profit. So it definitely does apply to Bitcoin. Got it. And and somebody here, Zezima, which, I, I you know, it's very, very similar name to RuneScape here, <laughs> uh, is asking, <laughs> uh, yes. uh, how do you do Love an analysis it. on a, a stock as volatile as OGI? Yeah, man. Great question. That's a, that's a great question. So volatile stocks, they do still follow the same overall patterns of technical analysis, but the difference being mm. since there's more volume and volatility, the movements are usually more violent. So volatile yeah. stocks are actually a good thing for swing trading because yes, they can go down a lot, but they can also go up a lot. So when they're going down really harshly like this, like this would have been a beautiful opportunity to buy into OGI because it's so volatile. You can see it swing from $8 and five cents all the way back down to three bucks. Right. You know, they can do yeah. the exact same thing on the upward side. So I'm not super overly concerned with um, with volatility in a stock. In fact, that's actually what I look for in a swing trade is the volatility, the volume. And they still do follow the same overall trends. So you can see here it's respecting this ascending level of support. We got the three touch points. It broke this ascending level of support with a wide range bar right here. And then it sold off. And if you watch the sell off, you look for a bottom out. Uh, we didn't get the actual engulfing candlestick pattern here, which to me signifies we haven't finished the bleeding yet. But we did back here. Right. So we get this engulfing candlestick pattern. If we change it over to the 30-minute chart, I'd be willing to bet you can see that. 
Let me change this over really quick. And we did. So we get that engulfing candlestick pattern. This indicates that this is the bottom. This would have been a beautiful opportunity to buy into OGI. So the, the same principles mm. and fundamentals still do apply with volatile stocks. In fact, I would encourage if you are comfortable with swing trading, of course, make sure you understand the basics. Don't be willing to invest money that you're not willing to lose if you don't understand what you're doing yet. Um, that to actually look for volatile stocks because that's how you're going to really capitalize on what's great about swing trading is you can you can turn you know 100 profit on a stock in like in like four or five days, which you typically can't do with an Apple or a Tesla. So that's my two mm. cents there, my friend. Got it. Yeah, but then, then you can also see a, a quick reversal if the trade doesn't. Yeah, doesn't exactly, work, man. Huh? Exactly. And that's what's beautiful <laughs> so about a, a choice stop loss, man. That's what it's all about. That's why you limit yeah, the limit true. the limit the losses and capitalize on the runners. Can, can you comment? What's what's Ruben uh, saying here? Can you maybe comment on this one? Technical analysis could work. It's just lagging, not future price action momentum. I have a price action video to reverse engineer the unfilled order potentiality, but price action is uh ta's big brother so tell me uh, price action how does this play into ta i think it's so is, ta is, is a uh, technical analysis essentially what mm -hmm. technical analysis what he's saying is technical analysis is lagging because it doesn't tell us future price action it tells us previous price action so there's no way to predict mm -hmm. entirely what's going to happen right because the, the market is volatile there's so many things that affect you know and influence price action not just the charts but we know we got the news catalyst we've got uh we've got whatever fundamentals of the company exist traders sentiment right so it is a downside of technical analysis is it's just looking at previous trends. There's no way to guarantee that uh, it's going to continue those trends. But if you've got a lot of confirmations like, oh, we've had three times where the stock retraces to 50 percent, there's probably pretty good odds it'll retrace to 50 percent again based on previous trends. Um, so that's that's kind of the downside with technical analysis. But that's what's great about having kind of this hybrid system where you apply, you know, fundamental analysis, understanding the, the fundamentals of a company, such as CTRM, where we know that they are a dry bulk cargo, you know, shipping company, they use seaborne transportation, the more they acquire vessels, the, the more they grow, etc. Having an understanding of the fundamentals of the company and the news catalyst, what you're expecting for news catalyst is a way that you can predict upcoming price action. You can also look at options, which is very interesting. So if we look at call options, this is going to be a way that you can predict upcoming price action and sentiment about what people think of a stock. So if we look at, uh, I think this is CTRM still, if we just take a, oh, this is OGI. So OGI, if we look right now, uh, you can see that there's a lot of uh, open interest for March 19th of $2.5 on, on a call. So a lot of people think this is going to be a $2.5 stock by March 19th. Now, if we look here to you know the 7.5, we can see there's a pretty decent amount of people that think it'll be a $7.5 stock. So you can use this kind of information as well as you know some of the fundamentals, you know maybe the short interest, maybe the overall market cap, the overall float to predict you know some future price action as uh, as our friend over here was saying with uh, why technical analysis is kind of a lagging you know art um i wouldn't recommend that uh, that people just use technical analysis it's a tool it's a supplement to you know the basics and fundamentals of you know investing and trading in my eyes my man got it and so you're looking at the open interest and you're trying to see what the popular uh, options might be in terms of just to get a, a quick read on what do other people think so i think yeah exactly, we're at ogi man. here I see. Okay. Okay. So OGI you've got here on the March, uh, March 19th. Uh, let's see here. Oh, yay. 15,000 people think it's going to be seven and a half bucks. 16,000 exactly. people think it's going to be five bucks. Uh, yeah, but then you yeah, probably see the same thing in puts though. You could, you I mean, could. here at puts, could. we got 7,000 people think it's going to be a two and a half dollar stock in, in a week. 
Right. Yeah. So it's uh, you got to take it for what it is. It's a it's a it's a back and forth kind of momentum. One of them is going to be right, obviously. <laughs> but it's yeah. looking at the overall yeah. trends, right? So if macroscopically speaking, a, a, a stock is really really bullish, and you've got a lot of puts for two and a half bucks, and you've got no reason to really believe that's the case, you know, take that with a grain of salt. But on the flip side, if you've got a bunch of puts, and then uh, you know, all this it was before. Or I should say, after you know this bad news came out, like Vine, for instance, Vine had that reverse split. Oh, I probably anticipate that you're going to see more puts on Vine than you have seen here in the past. Um, it's it's tough to say for sure, but it is a way. I actually don't have options on on Vine as of right now, but you get you get the premise here. Is it's uh you got to yeah. kind of weigh both. You don't want to have a biased perspective. You want to take in all the information available to you and not just look at what you want to see, but what you need to see, so you can make the best uh best non emotional decision regarding any stock investment. Yeah. And now do you think that people can build their wealth trading or, or is it just a, is it like a side hustle or what? what, what totally, uh, man. Yeah. How, how do you, I think there's a lot of potential to, to build wealth in, in the market. And I think what a lot of people get misinterpreted and I think the AMC GameStop situation doesn't really help this a lot is you don't need to hit these home runs to make a lot of money in the market. So what I find very interesting, Kevin, is if you stack a eight, 10% returns on your portfolio, you double your account turn $10,000 into $20,000. You get 12 10% returns on your account. That turns into a triple up. So you turn, you know, you know, 10,000 into 30,000. So there's a huge compounding effect in the market where if you just nickel and dime over time, you're going to be able to really build out your portfolio into something beautiful and there's not a lot of risk uh, involved with just getting 10% gains here and 10% gains there because, you know, the mm -hmm. the downside there with those stocks that don't move a lot or maybe maybe for instance you're in CTRM, right? You, you look at CTRM, it had this huge run up, but you don't really want a lot of risk, right? So you got in at 63 cents. You saw that it ran up here to, you know, about 75 cents. You take profits. You're up over 10%. If you did that eight times, right, all the way up to this entire move, you'd have, you'd have, uh, <laughs> you'd have doubled your account. So there's a lot of upside. There's a huge amount of upside, Kevin, in, uh, in trading and swing trading in the market. I, I, I think it's just all about risk management and uh, really understanding um, what you're getting into and having conviction in the company. So that's my two cents, man. I know I ramble a lot. I know yeah. I ramble a lot. I got a lot of energy. No, no, no. <laughs> to touch on, if you can, uh, before we, we move to another topic, to touch on uh, capital gains or, or just taxes with, with all this trading. Yeah, man, definitely. So the downside with uh, with swing trading or short-term trading is you get taxed on, on your gains. And how much you get taxed on depends on how much you make, right? Whereas if you hold a stock for a year, uh, it depends on the returns that you make, but you actually don't get taxed up to a certain point on uh, on returns. So let me just take a quick peek here on uh, capital taxes on the internet um, stocks. Mm -hmm. And we'll just take a quick peek. I'm sure there's some some images up here. Um, and then you also got into uh, into real estate, which we'll have to touch on. Yeah, man, I definitely did. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that here in a second. I'm actually really excited about that. Me and, uh, me and my girlfriend are going to be living out there here in, uh, in a couple months. Power to her, power to us. It's going to be fun. But essentially, capital gains tax 101. So essentially, you know, capital gain is the selling price minus the purchase price. It's how much you made. So you get taxed on your gains in the market, especially as a swing trader. I think, you know, it does go by dollar amounts. So I don't see the, the exact charts that up here. Here we go. So how capital gains after uh, affect earnings. So you bought 100 shares at 20 bucks. You sold 100 shares at 50. Your capital gain was 3,000. And then you were, you were taxed 15% at 450 bucks. Since this was a short-term investment, you know, if you hold it for less than a year, and that's your profit after tax. So because of swing trading, you do pay more taxes. That is a downside. That is an upside to, to like uh, holding a Tesla or an Apple for multiple years. Uh, you're, you're not taxed as much. So it does come down to the exact dollar amount that you are, you know, working with in a stock. But uh, that that is a downside. I'm glad you brought that up, Trent. Yeah, 
That's awesome. So then, um, so, okay, so you bought a house. So why, why the money on the house? Why not all in on this trading? Yeah, man. Great question. I'm, I'm so pumped about this. That was my first property. Uh, I'm, I'm, I admit that uh, I don't know near as much about real estate as I do with the investing. I, that's why I'm excited to talk about this with you. But um, I kind of want to diversify in a little bit in, in, in some ways. So what's great about real estate to me is you have a lot of power over the equity and the, the, the value of the home. You get to decide how much you want to charge for rent. You can do certain things to improve the overall equity. You can choose where you buy the house, right? So there's a lot of controllables in terms of how much money you make in the long term with, with something like that. And honestly, I view it basically as a high yielding uh, interest account, like a savings account uh, where I can just like, if I, if I wanted to, for instance, let's say I made 200K in the market and I want to just pay off my house. Essentially, I'm just putting it into a high yield savings account where it's it's pretty much guaranteed as long as we have a nice you know bullish market. So a seller's uh, I shouldn't say a seller's yeah seller's market, and it continues to improve in value. You're just guaranteeing yourself money every single month, so it's uh it's a good thing. It's kind of to diversify for sure. I, I like this. A lot more about this than I do. <laughs> no, I, I think that's exciting. So uh, are you going to turn that into a rental in the future? What are your plans? Definitely, man. So my uh, my girlfriend is an active duty officer in the, in the military, just as I am. And we're, we're expecting to move around quite a bit. So because of that, uh, you know, I'll, I'll probably stay in a, in a given location for about three or four years at a time. And then when I do move, my game plan is basically to buy another property. I'll live there. I'll rent out extra rooms, you know, depending on the situation, if we have kids or, or what's going on there in the future. But, you know, I'll be renting out the previous property and I'll just rinse and repeat over time and, and hopefully uh, slowly build up a nice little bit of uh, passive income, which is a beautiful, beautiful way to uh, keep yourself feeling happy and comfortable. You know, I think that's great. I mean, you have a you have a reason to tell the bank while you're moving every time, and you can you can do your VA after the VA. You could do three and a half, three percent down if you wanted to. Just keep yeah, keep buying exactly properties it. with with pennies on the dollar, right? <laughs> Essentially, in terms right. of down yeah, payment. That's that's how I got my my property. Actually, it was through the VA. It's a the interest rate was absolutely insane. I, I feel pretty pretty fortunate. I think it was like three percent, but yeah. um, I've just got a, a large sentiment towards you know financial freedom. To tell you a little bit about myself, Kevin, here, I had a, a pretty bad medical situation. I was down in the hole about $30,000 for a long time. And, and YouTube and, and the Army changed my life a lot. There was a, a moment in time where I was actually living out of my car. I like to be transparent. That's something I take a lot of pride in with my channel. Um, and, and really focusing on money and financial freedom and being able to walk away from the stress that comes with cash uh, is, is such a beautiful thing, man. And I really just want to show people that anybody can do this because I came, like I said, I was down $30,000 medical debt. I had some really bad eye issues. I got this rare, you know, uh, virus that, that came and it was called uh, bilateral anterior uveitis. And it just, I couldn't see out of my eyes that I was water. I've got the heart issues, right? So um, coming from that background, you know, there's nothing special about me, man. I'm not inherently smart by any means. Anybody can do this stuff. And that's, uh, that's why I really like talking about these topics with, with guys like you, where we can, we can really just, you know, have a conversation and show people how learnable this stuff is. You know, it's, it's really, it's really fun. I mean, that's inspiring. Yeah. I mean, you've, geez, man, you've, you've had a, a, a very disproportionate share. It seems like of these, these medical issues and it, you know, it's, it's sad when, when you start knowing these medical terms so well, because it's about you, it's like. That's that kind of sucks, man. <laughs> I, I, I just hope oh, you're man. over it. You know, no, like, I'm, like, I'm, I'm very that's happy, it. Man. like you had your share. It's in the past, right. you know. <laughs> Jeez, man. We'll see. Wow. We'll see. Okay. So any any, uh, you know, looking at the future here, any big uh, any big moves you see coming up, uh, not just for your channel, but also any big trades you see coming up. Speak to the future a little bit. 
So the two plays that I'm the most excited about right now are probably Sensonics and Microvision. I get a lot of people that ask me if it's too late to buy into Microvision. I absolutely don't think so at all. As I said previously, I do think that's going to be a triple-digit stock by uh, by the end of 2021, especially if they really do capitalize on that uh, automotive LiDAR presentation that we see is coming up in April. Yeah. And then Sensonics, I think, is another great uh, long-term potential uh, stock because they have that uh, glucose monitoring system. So they're going to be the first company you know that's going to have an implantable um, glucose monitoring system straight into your arm. And basically what it'll do is mm-hmm. allow you to monitor your glucose levels basically 24-7 um, without having to you know prick your finger. And, and it stays in there for 90 uh-huh. days. So it's a great way to keep up on that glucose monitoring, right? We always know there's going to be a need for that because the, the obesity rates in the world go up every single year. The amount of diabetics goes up in the world every single year. But that there's a little bit of risk involved because the current utilizable system is Dexcom. And Dexcom, you know, they, they, they're a $400 plus stock. But hypothetically speaking, if the, the market shifts, right, and we move away from Dexcom technology and into Sensonics technology, you can see that there's going to be a redistribution of wealth. And uh, that's why I think there's a lot of upside in Sensonics. So. Uh, I'm more bullish on Microvision than Sensonics, but I think both have a lot of potential, man. Got it. Now, and now, I mean, when, when I hear about the, uh, you know, the blood draw related kind of stocks, I can't help but think of uh, like uh, what happened with uh, Elizabeth Holmes and the Theranos. And it, it, like some of the, the medical space, it sometimes feels like it'd be so fraught with hope, but then also failure. Doesn't any of that ever make you nervous? It does, man. It does for sure. So the, the thing about the, the biopharmaceutical you know, sector is it's very news driven, mm-hmm. right? Because typically yeah. we look at these, especially penny stocks, penny uh, biopharmaceutical companies, their financial situation isn't great because they're spending most of their, their free cash uh, essentially working on all this research and trying to push out a product. So if the news doesn't go well, you know, the risk of going from, you know, whatever price it's at to nothing going bankrupt is high. It is. It definitely is. But that's the risk reward ratio where, you know, really capitalizing on the gains and then minimizing the losses where you can set those trailing stop losses and not let yourself bleed down to zero. We, we definitely never want to do that. Yeah. Got it. Got it. And now uh, you mentioned, uh, I think the last thing I really want to hit on here is you mentioned that sometimes you'll see patterns and then you'll set your trailing stop loss, but, but you're also not always able to look at the charts. So, you know, what's, what's, telling you to set these these uh trailing stop losses so if i'm not able to look at a chart setup um essentially what i'm going to look for is is this really something that i can get into as a swing trade with uh with the current information that i have i try not to get into things emotionally i try not to chase stocks um because whenever i chase man i'm gonna be honest with you i usually get i usually get steamrolled um so if i'm not gonna make the trade you know if i can't you know get the confirmations i can't see with my eyes i'm just gonna i'm just gonna let it go because odds are that I'm going to get burned. Um, and I'd, I'd rather not make money than lose money. And FOMO, as we know, man, is such a huge, <laughs> huge driving factor. And that's yeah. why I think so many people invest with emotions instead of logic. I mean, yep. if we just take a step back and think oh, yeah. about this, traders and investors are the only people on the planet that will buy things when they're overvalued and sell things when they're undervalued. It makes no sense. Who does that? <laughs> Who does that besides you know traders and investors? I mean, just stepping away from that and thinking about how how uh, how absurd that is, you know, um, trying to really just yeah. take it for what it is and and you know play the best opportunities that are there and not chase. That's uh, that's the best advice I can give personally, my friend. That's amazing. That is a that is a great great one to end it on there. How can people get in touch with you? So I do have a uh, an Instagram. It's uh it's over on my channel. I do have it uh, linked in the in the banner on my channel. I also have a Twitter. I'm most active on my Twitter, most likely. I I, I tweet probably you know five to ten times a day. If you'd like to send me a message, you can definitely do that there. Uh, I have the YouTube channel as as you guys are all aware, and a uh, a Discord as well. So if you'd like to get a hold of me, that is definitely an opportunity. Uh, I, I try to be as active as I can. 
Uh, I do have my girlfriend over here for Valentine's Day, though, as I said. So I'm probably going to be a little ghosted <laughs> the next couple of days. But uh, I, I post uh, four, four or five videos a day, every day. I talk stocks. I'm pretty active in the Discord. Wow. And uh, I'll try my best to help everybody out the best I can. Much love, Kevin. Seriously, this that, is awesome. That's awesome. Hey, well, thank you so much. I've got your channel linked in the description as well. And uh, hey, thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing your insights. It was uh, hopefully super educational for the people watching. It certainly was for me. I appreciate it. And uh, thank you. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. Seriously, this is uh, this is one of those moments I, I never thought would, <laughs> would be possible. It's very cool. I look up to you a lot, oh. man. For real. That's oh. awesome. Well, thanks again, uh, everyone else watching. If you found this helpful, consider sharing the video, consider subscribing, and we will see you in the next video.